Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Red Letter Disciple Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Zach Zender. In a couple minutes, my co-host, Chris Johnson, is going to just magically join us, and we're going to have a great time today. Our hope and desire for this podcast is that it would challenge and inspire you to be a greater disciple wherever you are. And man, if just a little bit of us catch that, right, we'll be a more fuller, truer, and greater expression of Jesus And I think the world is going to change when they see who Jesus really is. And so today, we're really going to dive into that. Uh, And and we're going to do that with our guest, Mark Schultz. Mark Schultz is a huge Chicago Cubs fan. Don't hold that against him, team, okay? (laughs) But also, he's got a huge heart for the church and especially a growing heart for the LGBTQ community. Uh, This is personal for him, and, and he'll talk about his story. But in his newfound retirement... He's actually launching a ministry to this community. So we we do a deep dive into how we can best represent Jesus. Plus, like what's the number one question we should be asking to those in the LGBTQ community? And we find out, can Mark Schultz, who just retired from preaching, from being a pastor, does he still have the chops? Can Mark Schultz preach on the spot? We've got a little game for him. It's going to be a lot of fun. So... Hey, I want to thank today's sponsor. Today's sponsor is actually Red Letter Living. That's right. We're, we're sponsoring our episode today. And here's the reality. We know that small groups are one of the healthy benchmarks for healthy, growing churches. And every pastor and church leader knows, like, small groups are important. We want to get people connecting in relationship. We're wired for relationships. But I think I've felt, at least in my ministry, and I know in a lot of conversations with other pastors, like, our small groups aren't all that they can be. And, and we, want, we want to grow, we want to do better. Our team at Red Letter Challenge, we've worked with over 800 churches now with a 40-day challenge. And one of the things we've seen from that is a, a proven strategy to grow your small groups. So I actually created alongside of my team after legitimately doing this in 800 churches, we believe we can grow your small groups by more than 40%. And that's not just, again, that's time-tested data that we've uncovered. And so I put together what we call the super simple easily doable five-step guide to growing your small groups and we would love to give that away to you so how do you get that go to freeredlettergift.com go to freeredlettergift.com and you can download the super simple easily doable five-step guide to growing your small groups and here's the reality it's easier than you think i promise you it is very very doable it's super practical and we've done this a lot of times. So no excuses, grow your small groups. We wanna give that to you, that's our gift to you. So without anything more, let's get into today's episode. Let's do this. So here on The Red Letter Disciple today, we've got Mark Schultz. Mark's awesome. He is newly retired from ministry. He's that been in, must be nice. <laughs> he's been a pastor for a long time. We're gonna talk a little bit about that and what he would share to kind of his younger self now that he's on this side of it. Uh, he pastored in uh, Lyle, Illinois, outside of Chicago. He's a huge Chicago Cubs fan. Poor guy. Poor guy. And uh, alongside of that, you'd think, hey, just retired. Like, I'm going to take it easy, but Mark's not doing that. He's actually launching a ministry right in the middle of launching it as we speak. So he's not retired. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. Uh, but he's launching a ministry to help churches and individuals minister to the LGBTQ community uh, is called Fully Known and Truly Loved Ministries. And so Mark Schultz, welcome to the Red Letter Disciple. Hey, guys. Hey, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mark, we're, we're so happy to have you, man. You're one of my favorite pastors. You just retired. Wait, what makes him one of your favorite pastors? 
He's just awesome. I mean, you'll 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 know more of that answer after okay. this episode I'm just is saying, over. There's a lot of pastors in the world, and he's. I know he's legit one of my favorite, and well, you'll know more after this is over. I'm gonna okay. let him. Okay. You know, show us that. But okay. anyway, congrats on the new retirement, man. How many years had you been in the ministry? Well, I started in 1980. I graduated from Concordia River Forest. It was called that. Now it's Concordia, Chicago. And I uh, was a Lutheran school teacher for 12 years and then seminary and now pastor since then. So, yeah, it was, you know, 41 years, something like that. So, so you, when you graduated, your plan was not to become a pastor, it was to be a teacher. Yeah, for sure. Um, I had I had actually had my uh, my pastor when I was growing up, when I was going through confirmation in seventh and eighth grade, he had sat me down and talked to me about maybe being a pastor someday. But I, I just thought that that sounded weird. And, you know, mm -hmm. Greek and Hebrew and all that kind of stuff. I was like, man, no way, you know, so. Right. Was it just the Greek and Hebrew part of it? Or what what sounded weird to you at that time? And then what caused the change from teacher to pastor? Yeah. So, well, first of all, my oh, mom was a little school was, teacher. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I was going to say clearly it was the money, right? You went. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was all that extra time off you get when you're a pastor, right? So, yeah. <laughs> you said, well, yeah. I wonder if I can work in the summer. That'd be <laughs> yeah, awesome. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Instead of golfing, I wanted to work. Yeah. So um, <laughs> my mom was a Lutheran school teacher and both of her brothers. So my two uncles. And so uh, it, you know, when I thought about ministry, just seemed like the teaching side of it is what I wanted to do. I had a couple of great teachers growing up that really influenced me a lot. So the thought that I could be that kind of teacher for someone else was, was mm -hmm. good. And so that was kind of my plan. Um, and then along the way, um, I had a degree in communications, uh, loved public speaking and stuff. And along the way, we had a pastor who had got pretty sick and wasn't able to be involved in ministry for about six months. And, uh, and so we had a vacancy pastor, but every once in a while he couldn't find somebody to fill in. And so I would jump in and do a sermon or lead worship. And every time I did that, people would say, Hey, you should think about seminary. And, uh, and so finally I decided, uh, to give that a try. Although it was kind of funny when my uncles heard I was going to do that, they sat me down and they're like, no, 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 we are not pastors in our family. We are teachers, you know? Mm. And, uh, mm. so, uh, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so that that was kind of how God got me there, and it was a it was a process, maybe a four or five year process where I kept kind of like pushing back, and God just kind of kept giving me these nudges, and you know what you learn is you can't run away from God. Eventually, He's going to get you where He wants you to be. Yeah, you'll be in the belly of a whale. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes ministry feels like that. By the way. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. So, have you? Were you in? I know you were in Lyle, Illinois for the last couple. Were you always around the Chicago area for your entire teaching and pastoral ministry? Yeah, that's kind of funny that you asked that because one of the barriers to going to seminary for us was um, my wife grew up here in the Chicago area. I grew up here in the Chicago area. All our friends and family are here in the Chicago area. And so the thought of literally going anywhere, you know, anywhere in the country for ministry was pretty daunting to us. And, uh, and then our first call was literally five miles away from where I had been teaching in uh, Park Ridge, Illinois. So uh, I was there for a few years, then out in Elgin at a mission church for a while, and then at Trinity for 20 years. So, yeah. Very so cool. you're uh, in Chicago. I'm uh, from the Midwest as well. Uh, what's your favorite place for pizza in Chicago? Oh, Lou Meldani's, no doubt. Okay. okay. The right. best. Yeah. Absolute best. Yeah. Do All they right. have deep dish there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they have both, but yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. If you're going to get Chicago pizza, man, deep dish is the way to go. Okay, yeah. And Lou Malnati's, not Giordano's? 
Giordano's is fine. Um, I just lose. There's something about their crust and uh, the way they they do the sausage pizza where the whole top of the pizza is a huge sausage patty. It's just amazing. So yeah. that's yeah, outstanding. Really good. Okay, so yeah. there you go. If you're in Chicago and you want the pizza, it's Lou Malnati's. I, I like it. That's it. Yeah, for Mark, sure. Mark, I was recently in a, a group of pastors, and we, we got away, and we uh, spent some time together encouraging, enriching one another. And I remember you sharing, you know, earlier this year, a few months after you had retired, and kind of giving advice to younger pastors and, you know, what you would kind of say to your younger self if if you could give your younger self advice don't do it (laughs) there you go don't don't retire or don't do ministry yeah (laughs) whatever and i don't know that we'd always listen to our older self if we could have that moment but anyway like what that was meaningful for me to hear Uh, so i'd I'd just love you to share kind of that advice because i think that crosses uh, it goes across the board, not just to pastors, but to, to anyone out there yeah. who, who loves Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I, the, the thing that was the biggest surprise for me when I retired is um, there were a, a bunch of people that wrote me notes or sent me cards and um, just kind of unsolicited shared a story about the way God had worked through me to make a big impact in their life or in their faith journey. Um and they weren't the things I always expected. I mean, as a senior pastor of a large multi-site church, um, you know, the things I was focused on day in, day out were um, uh, budgets and, um, you know, expanding. We, when I first got to Trinity, we were one in one location. And when I retired, we were, had four different locations, uh, building staff, uh, um, all those kinds of things that you know, senior pastors focus on. And those were the things that I thought really, really mattered. And and they do. Those things are all hugely important. And obviously, praise God for what he did uh, during the 20 years I was there. But but that's not the stuff people wrote me notes about. They wrote me notes about something I had said in a funeral sermon or even in a wedding sermon. And by the way, that was kind of amazing for me because, you know, weddings were just kind of one of those things where, oh yeah, I'm supposed to do this. Right. Um, and so I, I don't know what other pastors do, but I had like my standard three wedding sermons and I would just kind of rotate those around and, you know, and, uh, wow, you have you know, three, I have two. Yeah, and, well, I, you know, sometimes if you have like three people, kids from the same family getting married, yeah. you've got to have a third, you can't repeat yeah. one. Right. Cause they'll <laughs> remember it. So, That's a good point. but, 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 so those were things that I just didn't really pay a ton of attention to. And yet hearing how God had used, you know, those little moments, or I, I, I personally feel like I'm terrible at like hospital visits and things like that. But, mm-hmm. but, you know, uh, somebody would mention a time where I had stopped by the hospital to make a visit and, and the difference it made and how God used it. And um, honestly, I, I was sitting there reading this stuff uh, that they had kind of given me this pile of all these notes people had sent in. And I was just in tears. And, and, and so I, I guess the advice that I wish I knew then is to, I mean, focus on the big stuff, but you know, there were nights that that big stuff would keep me uh, awake at night. And, and the reality is God was using me, um, in ways that I didn't even realize in small little everyday ways to make a difference in people's lives. And, and, and that's where the impact really was. And so, um, I, I would say to myself, don't, don't sweat the big stuff all the time, work on it, uh, keep it's a priority. I mean, but, uh, but the reality is trust that God is using you in, in ways you don't even realize. Um, and, uh, and, and you don't always get a chance to get a glimpse of that and, and see that. So I, I felt really blessed by that. 
You said something interesting there that um, you didn't feel comfortable or you, your, your strength isn't hospital visits. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, it's funny. I was just having this conversation with a buddy the other day. I'm like, what is the part of the job that you just don't care for? Right. You know, because yeah. there's so many different things. Right. You're giving speeches, you're doing all the, you know, you're going to community groups and, and mine is jail visits mm. uh, that I would do 20 hospital visits. If I could <laughs> give away every jail visit that to me was so uncomfortable yeah. and so hard that that was, that's my, that's my uh, hospital visit that, what do you think? I'm, I'm similar to you guys. It's just that, yeah, the, 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 <laughs> Pastor, like the word that most commonly gets, you know, talked about in the Bible is shepherd and it intends like the care for people. And like, <laughs> that's probably not like my wiring is I don't feel like I'm great. really great at naturally caring for one you're person. Not, you're not the great comforter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But but it, it is funny, though. There were moments in times that even though it was uncomfortable and I was like, I don't know if I'm the best at this. It is the stuff that people remember. Yeah. And when you show yeah. up. And I think that's what I heard from you is kind of just when you show up, even in the little yeah. things or the things that maybe you're not naturally gifted for and just be faithful. Right. And I think that applies to yeah. pastors and anyone else who's a disciple of Jesus. God works in little ways uh, that actually turn out to be really big things for, for people when, when they need it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So advice to younger self, <laughs> if you're a pastor, especially is dodge the hospital visits. Dot, yeah. <laughs> Don't sweat the big stuff. That's good at them, right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't sweat the big stuff. Focus on the little, and also have three wedding messages to go. Work on that at yeah, seminary. Right. Right. You're yeah. just ready to roll. Dude, that's a great idea. If you knock all your wedding uh, <laughs> sermons out in the seminary, you never have to write one. That's fantastic. There you go. Perfect. I like it. There you go. Right. Well, I think we've learned everything we need to learn. Thank no, you. Just <laughs> right, uh, and Mark. Uh, uh, so as you. I want to talk about what you're doing now in post-retirement because it's incredible. But before I get there, I want you to kind of look back or look at where we are today. And, and especially with the landscape of how COVID's changed the church the last couple of years. Yeah. What is, you know, whether it's looking at it from the big church side or the individual side, like what is one thing that is giving you great encouragement about where we are today? And then one thing that like you're, you're either discouraged or really thinking about uh, as we look at, at how we can all be disciples in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, the thing for our ministry personally was we did not have any kind of online presence before COVID. Um, we had dabbled in some things here and there and really not done them very well. And, and our, our kind of mantra in ministry is if you're not going to do it well, we don't do it. Right. And so, um, you know, all of a sudden we found ourselves here in Illinois. Um, our governor issued a, a mandate that basically said churches, in-person gatherings are shut down. Um, and that happened on a Wednesday and we had to figure out how we were going to do church that Sunday. So we literally in a few days had to pivot and, uh, and find resources and find a way to make that happen and turned it into what has become a, just a, a great online ministry for us. We're connecting with um, people that had moved away from our congregation around the country and never really felt like they had got connected. Now they are back connected with our ministry um, and uh, just a whole new um audience for our ministry that we hadn't had before. And, and I think on a more personal level, um, it, it, it changed the focus, I think, for a lot of people where, uh, there were people that got serious about their faith that had never really been that serious before. They had kind of been more 
casually involved with their faith, you know, maybe Sunday to Sunday, but not much during the week. And all of a sudden now they're working from home and had maybe a little more time on their hands. And and we were able to kind of put resources out in people's hands that were getting used uh, dramatically more. I mean, one example of that is we, we had these at-home ministry kits that we would give to parents of the kids that were involved in our kids' ministry. And I, and I don't know that they ever really got used very much. Um, and all of a sudden we were getting requests for more and more and more of those and producing more of those than we ever had before. And even now, as we're back doing full-time in-person kids ministry, again, parents still love those ministry kits and are using them and more involved in the faith life of their kids. So I, I think there's a whole group of people that um, maybe sitting on the sidelines is too strong a way to say it, but they weren't really that involved day to day in their faith. And I believe they are now. Uh, because of what we've gone, been through these last few years. Um, on, on the other side of it, it, it's 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 almost the same thing, only flipped. There's a whole bunch of people that um, were connected with our ministry that aren't connected anymore, right? And 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 they're just gone. And 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 we don't know whether that means they just found another ministry that they've connected with. That would be great, praise God, if that's the case. Mm-hmm. But my fear is for a lot of them, some of those casual sidelines Christians, they, they got sucked in more like I was just talking about. And some of them, it was kind of their excuse to get out of the habit. And, yeah. um, and, 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 you know, I worry about where they're at and where they're at with their faith. Well, and the other thing with that is it's, it's become really hard to track because I don't know yeah. how you guys do it, but you, you know, you don't see anybody in church for a while and then you say something to them and you're like, Oh yeah, I've been watching it on YouTube for seven weeks, you know, and you don't. And so it's really hard to, to, to track those families that were coming every week because then it's almost offensive. If you say something like, Oh man, I missed you. Oh no, we've been online, you know, but you can tell from Facebook, but you have no idea of who the 200 people are on YouTube and it, and, yeah, and also right. the other thing we've seen, people have been quite candid with me. They're like, man, I love watching church at home and having a mimosa and an egg sandwich, you know, like this is great. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, so maybe right. we just start selling mimosas. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. And I mean, I, I do believe you can, and I know this is kind of a debated hot topic in, in ministry circles these days. I do believe you can, you can be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, uh, through digital means. Um, and, and, and you don't have to be in person. Um, but I do believe for, for many people, uh, that in-person connection is important. And so, yeah, yeah. I do wonder uh, about, you know, how we sort that piece of it out as well. Well, and it's, it's interesting. So like my, my, my son is an introvert. He thought COVID was the best thing that ever happened. Like yeah, he could do right. a class in at home. He could do church at home. My daughter, who's like an extreme extrovert, like literally yeah. needed counseling during COVID because she couldn't get out of the house. So I think that the introverts have been like, this is great, <laughs> man. We can, yeah. we don't even have to like get out of our PJs and we can go to church. This is awesome. Let's do it. Yeah. Right. For sure. I think that, yeah, there's such, I think what I heard you say is kind of, it kind of, it was a dividing line and it's created some extremes, uh, some, which yep. is really good because now they're connecting each and every day and some that left and they're not connecting at all. And, yeah. and so, you know, I think that's a very great analysis and what I love is the ones who are connected more that you as a church provided resources for them, whether it's an at home kid or whether it's something digitally online, I do feel like that space Monday through Saturday outside of the gathering 
is such a valuable space. I mean, that's part of what this is not. Red Letter is not a church, but that this these are the things that can come alongside of, and that's I think yeah. our our job, our goal is not just to be a one hour experience, but to continue to create Monday through Saturday things, whether it's podcasts or small groups or little videos or sermons. We you know there's so much opportunity there. And, yeah, sure. and I think uh, the more we catch that, not only as church leaders, but then the more disciples of Jesus get into that every, every day. It's are a beautiful you, thing. Are you launching Red Letter Church in <laughs> Omaha, Nebraska? <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah I, I, you, guys know, you guys know Dave Ferguson from Community yep. uh, Christian here in, in the Naperville area. Yeah, yeah it, it, I heard Dave say something once that just has stuck, stuck with me, and I've used it a lot in our ministry. You know, somebody asked him, if you had one wish for your church, what would it be? And I expected a lot of different things, knowing Dave's kind of innovative, and they've been doing small groups for years and all that stuff. And the thing he said was, I, I, I would love it if every member of our church was listening, hearing from God every day. He said that, that would revolutionize our church. And, um, mm-hmm. and so that's been a part of our DNA as a congregation for years, trying to get that mindset where people are opening up God's word. They're, they're doing something where they're having a chance to listen to God every day. But, but I don't know that people were doing it. And, and, yeah. and, and I would say that the percentage of people in our family believers that because of what we've been through this last few years are, are doing that now has gone up pretty dramatically. I think God used that uh, in a real powerful way there. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. And I think as everybody's listening out there, that that's the goal, right? Uh, that's right. every day that we are in step-by-step relationship with God, that he's amazingly like always postured himself to be with us, even yeah. when we've failed in the past. So let's get back on it. And yeah. what he says, especially in like 40 day chunks, right? <laughs> hey, there may be something to that, Mark. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. How's it been? Reti- has it been hard to retire? Like, tell me, tell me how you're doing, man. I, I probably it's, feel like there's yeah. a lot of emotions. It sounds like he's doing poorly because he's starting something <laughs> else. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, it is kind of interesting. Um, you know, when, when I, when I initially, when that retirement date initially came, uh, there was a little sigh of relief and a chance to kind <laughs> yeah. of go, ah, okay, I can, uh, you know, and, and, and I would say that the day in day out pressure of leading a large ministry, just the weight of that, that you feel, um, you, you carry that maybe more than you should because it's, it's God's ministry ultimately not yours. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, but having a chance to kind of get that weight lifted was, was, it was a joy. I was ready for that. Um, you know, I've been doing it for a lot of years. And so I was ready for that piece of it. I I wasn't ready for the, now what do I do piece of it as much? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, they, I, I had a few weeks before golf season started where, um, cause I, I like to golf. So that's been, that's been helpful to be able to do that more. Uh, but, um, but I, there was a couple of weeks where I would sit down on a Monday morning and I planned my week, like I had always done in ministry. And, uh, and my experience in ministry was by the time Friday we get here, I'd look at my list for the week and go, man, I only got to about half of it. I, I think the first week I did that retirement, I, Tuesday afternoon, I was like, well, my list's done now. What do I do? You know? <laughs> and so, so that was a little disconcerting because, you know, it'd be easy yeah. for me to just plop down on the sofa and start watching Judge Judy or something. And I didn't want to do that. So, um, so yeah, but it's, uh, it, it's given me time, it, which is a real blessing to focus on um, the things that I, I really believe God wants me doing now and the things that I really enjoy doing now. And, and I, I'm one that believes that the, those two should be pretty much meshed a lot in your life. Um, and, uh, and so that, that's been a real blessing. 
I'm curious uh, now that you're on this side of it, do you, are you able to see a little bit more clearly, like, did, did you wrap your identity um, in your career or your profession? Um, yeah. Or, or has that been easy to let go of that, that piece of you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I had two advantages. It, it, it has been fairly easy, I think. And, you know, I mean, it's only been, what, seven, eight months. So we'll see long term. Uh, but um, but I, I think it's been fairly easy. And I think I had two advantages, one positive and one not so positive. Uh, the, the positive one was, you know, being a Lutheran school teacher for the beginning of my ministry um, and and not coming right out of the gate straight into pastoring a church, leading a church. I, I think I had a perspective in my life where I wasn't the main leader, you know, the senior <laughs> pastor. Um, and so um, it's it's been fairly easy to kind of fall back into that mindset and not have my identity wrapped up in that. I, I think the, the other maybe not so positive is um, have a really, really close good friend who uh, preceded me in retirement by six years and and his transition did not go very well. And in hindsight, I think he would say um, his his identity was pretty strongly wrapped up in uh, being the senior pastor of that ministry that he was leading. And when that went away, he was not prepared um, for the change that. And and so his advice to me was, "Don't let yourself get there." So I had some years to kind of prepare and um, and to think. So what's next for me? What's my next thing that I'm excited about being involved in? And kind of had that on my horizon, and I think that helped. Wow, that's good. Not yeah. not everybody listening is a pastor, but I think everyone's kind of can struggle with um, the yeah. thing that I do for work or career that can be my identity. So what would you say? Yeah. Advice, yeah, would you give to those that are, are maybe too wrapped up in yeah. finding their identity in their work or performance? Yeah, it was really tough for me when I left the NFL. Uh, so. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, well, there you go. Yeah, there you go. I didn't know you ever yeah. made it there. Yeah. But. Yeah. Was, yeah. Um, you know, oh, boy. one of the things that I remember is uh, it, it, uh, there's this a book on the basic Christian faith by a guy named Robert Kolb. Um, and in there, he talks about primary and secondary sources of identity in our lives. And, uh, and, and, and obviously our primary source of identity should always be that we are a loved, forgiven, redeemed child of God, that it's in that relationship I have with, with Jesus and with, with uh, my heavenly father, that that's my primary source of identity. And then there are these kind of what Cole calls secondary sources of identity that, that God has given us. You know, I'm, I'm Betty's husband. Um, up until recently, I was Trinity's senior pastor. Um, I'm uh, my son's father, you know, and and I find some identity in those things. And it's okay as long as they're secondary sources. Mm. Uh, Kolb has this great line where he says, um, you know, my wife is a wonderful secondary source, but if I make her my primary source, I make her a God. And he says, huh. as a wife, she has a lot to be commended, but as a God, she leaves a lot to be desired, and, uh, <laughs> which is just a great way of saying it. So, and then um, he slept so, on the couch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so I, I, I think, and, and, and by the way, this, the, the, hopefully we'll circle back on this when we talk about the, the ministry that I'm, um, focusing on right now that where's your primary source of identity is a huge yeah. question. I think we all have to be asking yeah. ourselves all the time. And, um, and so having that primary source of identity in our relationship with Jesus, uh, if, if you've got that, I believe everything else will eventually sort itself out. 
That's good. So, so let's, let's go there. I want to, cause yeah, you, you did retire from uh, being a pastor, but you're launching in the middle of it right now, a brand new uh, nonprofit yeah. ministry called fully known and truly loved ministries. And yeah. that's going to be an outreach uh, ministry specifically helping pastors, churches, individuals minister uh, to the LGBTQ uh, plus community. And so first yeah. off, like, I commend you, like not many retired guys are going to take on something like of this magnitude. Let's like, it's do not the, the hardest thing I could possibly Commend you for that, that uh, for taking this yeah. on, because I know that it, it will not come without uh, its, its difficulties and its, yeah. its shots from the outside mm-hmm. world. So, so, yeah. but I want to know, like, first, before we even get into what it is, like, why, why is this ministry personal for you? Yeah. So um, when (laughs) about eight months before I was getting ready to leave the teaching ministry and head to seminary, um, my brother, my younger brother uh, came out to our family as gay. And uh, um, my first thought was, can I still go to seminary if I have a gay brother? I mean, literally, that was my initial thought and reaction. Um, You know, would they let me into seminary knowing that you know, I had somebody who was gay in my family. Um, and, and, you know, I don't have the time to go into a lot of detail, but there were some rocky times in my relationship with my brother. And, and Mm -hmm. now we're in just an amazing place and, uh, we love each other very much. And I'm very supportive of, of, of my brother and his husband. And, um, but, but along that journey, um, I heard story after story after story, either through him or actually directly from some of his friends about their experience in the church. You know, when they found out I was studying to be a pastor or eventually that I was a pastor, um, they were quick if I was willing to listen to share the the pain that they had gone through. And, And I'm talking about both from churches that would consider themselves affirming churches and churches that would, that would say they are Bible based. Although I, think that's a false dichotomy sometimes. Um, but, um, and, and so I, I've known for a while now and had a chance in some small ways to, to help some churches and pastors um, who were struggling through this issue. And, you know, how do I remain faithful to what I believe God's word has to say? Um, but on both sides of that equation, also in showing God's love and grace, which is what yeah. we all believe God wants us to do to all people. Um, and so, uh, the, the, the name of the ministry, by the way, comes from, there's this beautiful uh, quote by Tim Keller. And in fact, I'm going to make sure I, I, I get it exactly right and just read it to you. Tim yeah. Keller uh, is a pastor and he, he wrote this. He said, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. Let me just stop there for a second. So, so if, 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 uh, if somebody says, Hey, I love you, man, you know, but you're thinking you don't really know me. So that's nice that you say that, you know, um, you know, it's, it's nice, Zach, that you say, Hey, you're one of my favorite pastors, but if you really knew me, uh, you know, I wonder if that'd be true. So it's, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and then he goes on to say this, he says to be known and not loved is our greatest fear. So, it, you know, our fear is that once you get to know me, you won't love me anymore right. or, or you won't care. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then he says this, but to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. Mm. And um, my hope and prayer would be for ministries, uh, for pastors, uh, for people um, that they could feel like they could be fully known and truly loved in their faith community. 
um, that, that you can know everything about me, my faults, my failings. And, and by the way, this that applies not just to people in the LGBTQ sure. community. It, it applies to all of us. Um, wouldn't it be amazing if our church family was a place where we could be fully known um, and know that we were truly loved and know that just as God loves us that way, God's people love us that way too. Um, and so um, that would be my, my prayer, my goal, that God could uh, use me to help churches be that those kind of uh, communities. Yeah. I, tell me, because I heard you say that, you know, one of the questions that ministers, pastors, I think about is, yeah, how do I, how do I stay faithful to God's word in all things? And so this is one, right. one case, sure. this, yeah. this issue and this reaching out to this community. I've, I've heard you talk before, though, that sometimes the, the church or a pastor can, can ask the wrong question first. And there's a, there's yeah. a, a good first right question when it comes to yeah. this this community. So maybe talk about that. Yeah. So I I mean obviously the 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 first question we often want to ask is is being gay a sin or is uh, maybe being gay isn't a sin but acting on it is a sin or we start to you know get down that line and and I would argue we're not quick to ask that question about and many other things, right? For, for, for some reason, and I do think it's because of what's happening in society around us, we think that that's the first and most, most important question. And, and if, if being a Christian was about knowing the rules and following them, then that would be the most important question. Mm -hmm. But that's not what being a Christian is. Being a Christian is recognizing that all of us have sinned and fallen short. You know, in every area of our life, all of us are broken sexually. All of us are broken in in where we place our primary source of identity. All of us have sinned. And being a Christian is about recognizing that it's it's not about what I do. It's about what Jesus has done first and foremost, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so I would argue the first question we ought to be asking with people is not, is this a sin? The first question we ought to be asking is, where's your source of identity? Um, I do believe, and, and um, again, having spent time with my brother and, and people that I've gotten to know through him and others through the LGBTQ community, one, one of the kind of great lies that is told um, in that community is your primary source of identity is in your sexuality or in your gender. Um, you know, it, it, if you are trans, that's it. That's your primary source of identity and everything else flows from that. If you are gay, that's it. That's your primary source of identity. And in fact, there's even some times where we see, and I know my brother's experience to this at some extent, because he's a very dedicated Christian, very active in his church. There's some times when he's looked down on by other uh, people in the gay community because he isn't as quick uh, to, you know, march in the pride parade or, or uh, make, the fact that he's gay, the center of his life. Um, and so I would argue the, the most important question we should be asking um, is, you know, where's your primary source of identity? And I'm convinced if we can help people, and again, not just the LGBTQ community, but I do think it's an issue uh, because of what I just said for that community. Um, if we can help if, if we can help people put Jesus in the center of their life and recognize that they're a loved, redeemed, forgiven child of God, the, the other stuff's going to fall into place later. And, and, and there's time for conversations later on those kind of questions. It's beautiful. I've said it before on this podcast in a previous episode, uh, but you know, going back to, you, you had that quote from Tim Keller. I remember someone just recently asked Tim Keller if he'd start his ministry over today and, and could start preaching, like what would be the number one thing that, he would preach about. 
And it was for him, he said, without a doubt, it's identity. And, and that's what yeah. you're saying, too, is there is an identity crisis in our, our nation and world. And it's, it's certainly found in this community. It's deeper than this community, though. It's found in all of us. And so right. the more we can hit at, like you said, uh, God's love and grace, forgiven, redeemed, child, adopted, those words, and yes. just speaking those over people. Uh, yeah, awesome. I, I just always, just a couple thoughts, man. I mean, this is such... This is the the topic that like brings division, yep. you know, like this yeah. is tough. When I looked at all 12 yeah. episodes we were doing, I'm like, oh man, <laughs> this is tough. But, yeah. the, um, but the thing, uh, just being completely sure. honest, you know, and, and, and uh, but here's the thing uh, you brought up a couple of great points. Number one, we don't talk about it very much, but we're all impacted by it. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody knows or has somebody in their family. Perfect example. Sure. Real quick story. Um, I grew up in the Midwest. I had some relatives, uh, younger relatives. Um, their family was very conservative. Um, the middle son comes back from college. He's got uh, uh, some some uh, uh, some gay literature in his bag. His mom goes to wash the clothes, sees the literature there. And mom and dad say, you're out of here. We're not paying for school anymore. They never talked to him again. He recently just passed away. Mm. I maintained a relationship with him. I got outcasted and not spoke to by that side of the family. But, you know, I obviously that's not the Christian approach. Mm -hmm. But then, like, here's the thing I struggle with. Like, I know that. I'm not tempted in that sin, but I am tempted in a lot of other sins. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy to talk about a sin that we're not tempted with and being able to isolate that and say, man, that homosexuality is really a bad sin because I would never do it. But then you go to the grocery store and you, you know, you see an attractive woman. You're like, oh, I just sinned, you know, (laughs) like, uh, so my point is I struggle with it. What is the end result of this? You know what I mean? And I know there's people in my congregation who are gay and I love them. Uh, but, and I know they're married. And, and so like, is the end result, like loving them and then trying, I guess sometimes I get too caught up on the end result of a product or of a yeah. process. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, That's for sure. Legitimate thing. And, and the, the amazing thing is I, there's a study that came out recently that we have an amazing opportunity. Um, uh, in this study, th- they found that 86% of people in the LGBTQ community uh, grew up in a faith community. Now that's what that's percentage? a little lower. That's about the 86% of people in the LJ, LGBTQ community grew up as a part of a faith community. And wow. that's actually about 10 percentage points higher uh, than the average population in America today. Here, here's mm-hmm. the really stunning thing. Um, most of them, the, the majority left the church when they came out around 18 and you know, early adulthood. Um, but 75% of them said that they longed to return to the faith of their youth if they felt like they were welcome. Wow. Um, the, the, by the way, if you ask the average American population that, it's 9%. 
So one out of 10 average Americans that has left the church would say, I'd love to come back to the church. Three out of four people in the LGBTQ community would say, I would love to come back if I felt like I'd be welcome. So we have this incredible opportunity. Uh, People are are longing for that relationship with Jesus, and and they're not going to know Jesus loves them if they don't experience it through us. Um, and, uh, and so I, I just think we have this amazing opportunity and I, I'd, you know, love to do anything I can to help. Yeah. So let's, let's press in on that then. And I, I love your words, Chris, cause I think I can get there too, is we're always so focused on the end outcome when it's mm-hmm. like, no, just right. do the right best next thing in front of you. And let's trust that by the way, changing hearts is not our job. It's the Holy spirits. And Fair. so yeah. we keep Amen. putting ourselves in places. So I want to go to that though. If, if there's some openness to return to either faith or church, yeah. what, yeah. what have churches and disciples done wrong in the past, or maybe a couple of pitfalls for us to avoid um, as we reach out to this community or, or to someone that we know and love that's struggling with this, how can we be a, a better representation of Jesus to, to the, the LGBTQ community? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it, it's a great question. And as many people as there are, there's that many different stories. And, and so I would say the first thing that we need to do is we need to listen more and talk less. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I found um, that people are very, very eager for you to hear their story if they see that you're truly willing to listen and not just, um, well, I, I've got to kind of listen a little bit so I can get in what you need to hear from me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a great question I, I heard. I think it was Mark Yarhouse, who's a, a professor at uh, Wheaton College. I think I heard him say this first. A great question is, you know, I feel, I feel like you're this, your life's this amazing book and I'm coming in in chapter 12. Give me the, <laughs> give me the cliff notes version of what I've missed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And people, if you ask that kind of question, I found that question to be powerful for people. First of all, they look at you like, are you serious? Do you really want to hear this? Um, yeah. And when they see that you are, um, you know, I, I think listening is so important. We're, we're quick to, to not listen, I think, and, and feel like we've got an agenda that we've got to get on the table as soon as we can. So I I think that's one thing. And then I think the other thing is, again, to be willing um, to to hear people's junk and and not not look at them differently as a result. Um, Just a a quick story. We had we were doing a sermon series in our congregation about this issue. And we had just spent a week talking about the issues that the faith issues that trans people are facing and and how messy that can be. Um, and, uh, and at the end of the message, I said something like, well, I, I don't have the answers to all these questions. And we, as a, we, as a family of believers are going to work through them together. I said, but here's one thing I can tell you. If, if you are trans, if you are struggling with your gender, um, if you're suffering through gender dysphoria, you are welcome here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, immediately when the service was over an elderly gentleman, uh, who had been, you know, one of my detractors let's just say from time to time in our ministry oh, kind you of have followed me <laughs> yeah right he kind of followed me into the sacristy and shut the door behind him i'm like oh boy here we go you know uh-huh. um and and he turned and looked at me and he had tears in his eyes and he said you were talking about me tonight i, I said excuse me and he said you know since since i was young i've known that i'm a, a woman in a man's body and and when i was growing up you just didn't say anything to anybody about that and you didn't do anything about that now it's too late for me to do anything about that but but he said i've walked in this church every week for the last 35 years and there's been this little voice in my head that said if they only knew i wouldn't be welcome here 
And, wow. and then, you know, it, it chokes me up talking about now. Yeah. He looked at me and said, but now I know I'm welcome here. Mm. And uh, that's what it ought to be about, right? Mm-hmm. That's what our churches ought to be about. A, a place where uh, mm. just knowing that you're loved and welcome, no matter what junk you've been dealing with. Um, yeah. I mean, man, look at the disciples that Jesus called. You know, it, it wasn't the brightest and the best. It, it, it was people with a whole bunch of of, of junk and, and 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 that didn't necessarily change overnight in in Jesus ministry with them right and Jesus was known for spending way too much time time with people that the religious leaders thought he shouldn't be spending time with um and uh and and so by, by the way here one other little funny story where I got myself in trouble in our our church do, do you remember when the the um shootings happened in the the gay nightclub down in Florida yeah um, that's right uh, that next right, Sunday when right yeah when when we were praying about that that next Sunday as I introduced the prayer I said I I truly believe that that's the kind of place that Jesus would have been hanging out in if he was alive today mm-hmm. um that got me in a little bit of trouble with some people because <laughs> it was a little out of context you know it just kind of hit people but Did you uh, say Jesus but I do believe that like what yeah Yeah. well i mean but when you think about it that's what the religious leaders are saying about jesus in his day right it it wasn't a gay bar but it was you're hanging you're going to tax collectors houses are you kidding exactly right so exactly oh man there's some really good stuff in there and i i like um i i like how authentic you are and sharing that story and i can't even imagine how scared that man was to yeah. have that yeah, conversation sure. with you yeah. like yeah. can you like, imagine? yeah that's a oh, tons of courage yeah that is yeah. amazing yeah, yeah. To, to me mark i'm just uh, sitting here listening and i'm just again reminded of the power of our words mm-hmm. uh, that you know he, he longed to hear that one line his entire yep. life you are yep. welcome here and it's not yep. even from Mark Schultz. It's not yep. from right. Zach Linder, Chris Johnson. We're nothing, but it's God's words through you. And I just, yeah, if we can break it down to the just very bare bones of like, we have a God who absolutely loves us and welcomes us no matter what we're going through, yeah. like we're his children yeah. and, and, and nothing in our story, good or bad, um, yeah. would hinder him from coming to us. Uh, I just, yeah, the power of words and saying it. And so if anyone's struggling out there right now, I think just hearing Jesus say over you today, I, I love you. Uh, I yeah. welcome you. Let's spend time yeah. together. Uh, the more we can do that, man, kudos to you. And and I, I just hope that someone who's struggling right now, whether it's with this issue or something else, yeah. that that you hear that you have a God that despite how we his representation mess it up in this world, despite how we do that, that you have a God who is so for you and not against yeah. you and wants to know you. One of my favorite verses that I've focused on a lot lately is, is uh, John 1 16, where he, there's all this beautiful stuff in the beginning of John about, you know, in the yeah. beginning was the word, the word was with God, you know, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, all that stuff. And then in one sixteen it says from his fullness, we have received, grace upon grace, not law upon law or truth upon truth from his fullness. We've received grace upon grace. Um, Paul says in Romans two, um, that, you know, don't you know, it was God's kindness that was meant to lead you to repentance. And, uh, um, we gotta, we gotta remember that we gotta behave that way. 
I, I think it's interesting. It, this is what I've learned today. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting that you're intimidated by a hospital visit and then you start the <laughs> toughest ministry in, <laughs> in the history yeah. of humankind. PMS, yeah. like kudos, my man, kudos. Yeah. But I love that we're all wired that way. And and Schultz might maybe doesn't feel it like I do, but I I, I get way more nervous standing over a four foot putt around you <laughs> master friends than i do preaching in front of hundreds like it doesn't matter right yeah yeah, yeah. it's yeah. all wired different hey right. tell us tell us more i know that it's in the infancy stages of coming together but what what at least you're intending to do with fully known and truly loved ministries and where our listeners can find more info on it yeah. So, so first of all, I'm working on a resource right now. It may end up being a book. It may end up just being like a resource for small groups or, or, or something for leaders. Um, uh, and, and, and that hopefully will be out later this year. I, I've got a website up already. Um, uh, and, uh, um, it's called a true, truly, and I mean, sorry, fully and truly.org. There you go. Fully and truly.org. And, or people could email me at mark at fully and truly.org. Um, I, I've had a chance to work with some churches and leaders, as I said already, and that's been just a huge blessing. And so if, you know, you would like me to come and, and talk to your leaders or talk to your church, or, um, if you'd like me to sit down with you and as a pastor and help you think through how you can talk to your, uh, family and your church family, or if you're, wrestling through an issue in your congregation, a, a specific issue that you'd like to have somebody help you think through. I, I would love to be able to do that. It's beautiful. We'll put all those links in the show notes to fullyandtruly.org is, is going to be an awesome resource and place to go. And uh, so great. I, I'm grateful that you're doing it. Uh, and I, I think that in, Thanks. you know, the, the things I've learned, because I know you're really great friends with my dad and he's just getting ready to retire in a couple months. And like, Having yeah. the next thing is really inspiring, and I like that you're not just sitting around doing your list, waiting to golf, but you're still making kingdom impact. Not that golf is. Well, I, I always joke, you know. There's that one parable that Jesus told, where the guy, the guy has this great bumper crop, and he fills up all his barns, and he says, "Hey, I can sit back and relax for the rest of my life, right? My barns are full. That's kind of retirement, right?" And get, you know what God calls him? He says, "You're a fool, right?" So, <laughs> so I, 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 we say it at our church all the time: if you got a pulse, you got a purpose, and so I. I don't, Amen. I don't think you ever stop being useful to God. All right. I'm just impressed that you can retire with this stock market the way it is right now. That's pretty <laughs> impressive. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. About that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Gotcha. All right. My final question to you before I turn it over to Chris is this question. We ask it every week. If you could challenge our listeners to do one thing this week to grow as a disciple of Jesus, practically, what, what is that one thing this week? Yeah, I, I believe we grow best spiritually when we're connected relationally. So I think a lot of great growth happens around God's word in community. And so I would say have a spiritual conversation with someone this week. It, it can be as simple as, you know, you and your spouse went to church and in the car on the way home, you go, hey, what would you think of the sermon and, and actually talk about it and discuss it? Or it can be sitting down with a coworker over lunch and saying, um, hey, so do you believe in like, life after death. What do you believe about that? And, and listen and, and yeah. see if they give you an opportunity to share what you believe. But I, I believe having spiritual conversations is key to growth. And I would, I would challenge people to, to have one spiritual conversation this week that you normally wouldn't have. I never Beautiful. asked my wife what she thought of the sermon. 
especially when you preach. No, right? no, no, no. <laughs> That's good. All right. So if you take that challenge on, I'd love for you to share that on social, or if you're watching this podcast on YouTube, you can throw it in the comments, put hashtag red letter disciple and commit to, I'm, I'm going to have one spiritual conversation this week. I'm going to do it intentionally. Uh, that would be awesome. All right. Chris has got a game, but I want to set it up actually. Yeah, yeah, I know what the it. game is. Do it. Uh, Mark, you texted uh, my father, I believe, yesterday, and I think it was supposed to be confidential because you're accountability <laughs> partners. And he broke confidence. <laughs> we're, we're basing That's awesome. a game show That's on a awesome. confidential on a text. text. On yes. a confidential text yeah. you sent yesterday, which said, and I'm going to tell it to everybody, that you haven't preached in a while and writing a sermon is hard. And I thought that's an interesting text from a guy that did it 20 plus years in a row. And so we want to get you ready for your next sermon. And so that is what this game show is based on. I feel like if you can do what we're about to do, that what you're going to do in a moment at your church, uh, preaching a sermon is going to be easy. So that's, that's the, we're taking you back to boot camp, buddy. And you're firing. All right, let's go. Absolutely, partner. <laughs> All right. Yes. And also, never text Mark Zender anything you want to keep secret. Okay. Just that you've learned from us. All right. So this is what it's going to be called. It's going to be Can Mark preach it in sixty seconds? That's the game. Sixty seconds. Okay. We're going to have sixty okay. seconds to preach a mini series based on a verse and a situation that I give you. Okay. Here it okay. is. Sermon okay. number one, you're part of a big, big church, <laughs> and you're in a four-part sermon series. And the sermon series that uh, you're part of is called The Power of Family. You are wrapping the series up, The Power of Family. Here's your verse, Genesis 37. When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance as he approached and they made plans to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of the cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Joseph sold into slavery. Genesis 37, the final sermon on the power of family. I'll give you just a few seconds to kind of break this through. And then you're going to give, he's going to give us 60 seconds 60 of his best seconds on of the spot improv preaching. Improv preaching. You ready? No. <laughs> All right. Sure. Two, sure. One. Here we go. Go. So there's a country Western song that says, um, you know, family is family. And, uh, um, you know, they'll, um, you know, they'll, they'll, ask you for money and they'll give you their kidneys if you need it. You know, um, I, it's something like that. I don't know. Um, but, um, but the, the, the fact is, um, you, you can't live without family. Um, but you can't kill them either. So, um, so, uh, so the best thing that we can do is thank God for our family. Um, but also recognize that Jesus to, told us to pick up our cross every day and follow him. And sometimes that family will be that cross. Mm. Oh, that, there we that go. Was, that was very that was Lutheran too, bringing us yeah, back to the that cross. Was, that was theology of the cross. Yeah, there you go. Wow. So. Very. All right. You did that in 43 seconds. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Good. You had okay. some. Okay. This is your last one. We're getting you back in. Oh, oh, geez. There's another one. There's one more. This is it. Oh, geez. All right. Okay. All right. (laughs) You're doing a one-off sermon titled The Office, which is supposed to show how God works through relationships at work. 
Here's your verse from 1 Samuel 24. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told David is in the desert. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goat. He came to the sheep pens along uh, the way. I guess we're going to go PG here. A cave was there, and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of. And when he said to you, I will give your enemies into your hand for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Again, the sermons titled The Office, How Does God Work Through Relationships at Work? Where on your mark you guys where do you come up with this stuff this is amazing <laughs> so that's so that's i actually falling go ahead i i actually played golf uh for a weekend once with kevin from the office so oh uh, so i've got awesome. some insight here on this <laughs> that's and, amazing uh, by the um, way yeah yeah and uh so so gee um so are you ready three, wait, 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 three, i'm ready i'm ready three, three two one go all right so working with people can be really, really hard. Um, but Jesus told us to deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow him. So uh, sometimes that your coworkers are, that's bearing the cross that Jesus wants you to bear. Uh, but just like David didn't kill Saul, you shouldn't kill your coworkers, but it is, it is okay. However, to criticize their clothing. Like if they wear like a red sport coat with this garish sparkly stuff all over it, you, you can, you can, you know, David cut off some of his cloaks. You can criticize their clothing, but just make sure you don't kill them. Uh, Boom. And, okay. and Jesus will be happy. I love how both of your sermons consisted of not murdering people. <laughs> what? Yeah. What is your next sermon that you're? Is it about killing people? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, I think you're. Seriously, you're how long do you guys lay in bed awake at night trying to come up with? We did this one on the uh, way in. Too long. Yeah. Too long. It's good. Yeah. Well, you got a couple reps uh, in. You're you getting go. back into it. You're going to be great. Uh, you are an excellent communicator. I've heard you many times. Yes. So uh, God is going to be with you. He always is. And so. So, Mark, thanks, man, for spending some time with us. I truly think that these words are going to help a lot of people and uh, really challenge us to be greater disciples. And that's what this podcast is all about. And so you are uh, incredible. And uh, I'm sorry that we might have tarnished your relationship with Zach's dad. <laughs> it needed to be said, though. Yeah. Anyway, I love my dad. He's awesome. And all right, Mark, if people want to connect with you again one more time, where can they connect with you? Uh, Mark at fullyandtruly.org or fullyandtruly.org on the, on the internet, on the interwebs. There you go. And we'll put all that in the show notes too. Mark, your blessing. Great. God bless you, buddy. Thank all right. You. Thanks, guys. As I promised, Mark Schultz delivered. What an incredible guest. And I, I love his perspective on how we can best represent Jesus to not just the LGBT community, but to the rest of the world. I love the, the truth that he brings, but even more important, the grace that he brings. If something today was stern in your heart, whether you're an individual uh, church leader or pastor, and you want to connect with Mark, I, I would highly suggest doing that. You can go to the show notes, redletterpodcast.com. We've got show notes with all the links. We've got Mark's website there is new ministry that is still um, in the process of, of coming together. We've got his email there. We want to get you connected to him because we believe he can really help you where you are. So thank you, Mark, again, for being on the show. 
Again, a shout out to our sponsor today, Red Letter Living. Grab that free, super simple, easily doable five-step guide to growing your small groups in your church. We believe you can grow your small groups by more than 40%. It takes less than 40 days to get ready to do that. And so come on, grab that at freeredlettergift.com. That is our gift to you. Next week, we've got Jeff Kloa coming to the podcast. Jeff's coming on the Red Letter Disciple. He is a New Testament, was a New Testament professor at a seminary for over 18 years. And now he is the chief curatorial officer at the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. So we're going to have a good conversation about the Bible, why it's important in our everyday walk. And And I asked Jeff, like, what part of the Bible does he think is the most often misunderstood and what difference does that make in our lives? So it's a really rich conversation and Jeff is one of the smartest people around. You'll see that, you'll learn a lot and it's gonna come automatically next Tuesday and especially comes automatically if you follow or subscribe on your favorite platform, make sure you do that. And if this show is a blessing to you or you know it can be to others, will you help us get the word out? Can you tap on those five stars? And can you leave a review? That would be a real blessing. Until next time, we'll see you on the Red Letter Disciple. A Huda Media Production.